Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy May and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our May Heart-Centered and Passion-Driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. May's theme is... Celebrating Mother's Day, living a, fam- living a legacy of love. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show this morning, my guest for today is Dr. Cherise Johnson. Dr. Cherise Johnson holds a BA in Human Development and Family Studies and an MA in Professional Counseling and a PhD in Counseling Psychology with a concentration in Crisis and Trauma. She founded Jade Integrative Counseling and Wellness to offer individuals and families comprehensive and collaborative support and care. Research affirms the unique balance between mind, body, and spirit. Addressing one without the other is managing symptoms versus improving well-being. Dr. Sharice desires a non-judgmental environment that provides support, encouragement, and practical skills. In her work, therapy is viewed as a collaborative process and offers an integrated approach in which values the search for meaning, and the power of choice are a central focus. As a clinician, she has worked with individuals, couples, and families across the lifespan and is apt at helping individuals navigate challenging life transition as and past hurts. Dr. Sharice specializes in marriage and family, eating disorders, trauma, and attachments, and uniquely supports those seeking identity development. Dr. Sharif's book, Expired Mindset, Releasing Patterns That No Longer Serves You Well, gives people both the courage and the keys to understand the root of their patterns and how to shift into a higher place of peace and potential. Dr. Sharif is also one of our our featured expert contributor to our May Inspirations for Better Living magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story, How Motherly Love Birthed My Quiet Graceful Confidence, in our Bubble of Quiet Confidence section. As for our kitchen table conversation this morning, Dr. Sharice and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how we can utilize introspective mind-body approach to shift into a higher place of peace and potential from her book, Expired Mindset. Happy Wednesday, Dr. Cherise, and welcome to From My Mama's Can Talk Radio. How are you doing today? Happy Wednesday. I am doing well, and I hope you are too. Very much so. It's lovely here in Dallas, so I'm really excited to have you on with me. Expired Mindset, Releasing Patterns That No Longer Serves You Well is an excellent read. It is a beautifully written book, love the storytelling approach, very insightful, engaging, and definitely a page turner. And the information shared is extremely nourishing to the heart, mind, body, and spirit. So congratulations on this release. Oh, thank you. I definitely enjoyed the writing process around it, and it, it always makes me happy to hear that it resonated well with readers. Very good, very good. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present. Sure. So I am the youngest of eight. I have five sisters and two brothers, so I have a lot of extra moms. <laughs> For anybody <laughs> that has older siblings, you know what that's like. Um, probably what I think of myself and what, you know, my siblings think of me are two different things because they always see me as the baby. But that being said, 
my childhood was, I call it the fast and the furious. In mm. many ways, um, there was a lot of different moving around, which at the time I thought was normal, and I realized later it wasn't. But, you know, it really helped me be adaptable, and I think that that's part of what allows me to connect with so many different people. Fast forward to college, I met my husband in college, so I'm married to my college sweetheart. We will celebrate 25 years of marriage this July. And Congratulations. And two young adult children. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's good too. But the great thing is, like, I still really love him. Um, so uh-huh. that makes it exciting. Um, and I have two young adult children. My daughter is 23 and lives out in mm-hmm. California, and my son is 21 and lives in Charleston, South Carolina. Awesome. That's really wonderful. Beautiful. Beautiful. Really happy for y'all. What was the most what was the most impactful childhood experience that remains a steady guide for you till today? Yeah, wow. You know, you kind of flip through the Rolodex there of experiences. <laughs> Anybody younger than us may not know what a Rolodex is, so it's this big <laughs> flip chart with phone numbers on it. I always have to think about like who's listening and they'll be like, What's a Rolodex? Look it up. It's it's a treat. You know, I am really gonna say my kindergarten teacher and that might be a common thing for people to say but I will never forget her she was Mm -hmm. the sweetest woman her name was Miss Campbell and what I remember about her is just not only her being so loving and kind she was extremely reassuring when I was younger I was a lot more shy than I Mm -hmm. am now so what I appreciated about her is she saw me even if I wasn't standing out and kind of making the most noise in the classroom. And she also gave me the room to be myself and never made me feel like you need to do more of this and you need to do more of that. So as a young child, having that early permission to go, however you're feeling right now is okay. I just feel like that set some really, a really great foundation in my life. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, though. I'm glad you brought that up because for some reason, I, with full respect, I'm not sure how uh, teachers are right now uh, as compared to, I guess, our time in the sense that some of them in particular, they seem to be constantly scanning you up and down. You know what I'm talking about? Like they know yes, you I do. more than you know yeah. yourself kind of. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would agree, you know, and I feel like I can say that from even parenting my own kids. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, remember yeah. having to let teachers know I have two different children, right? Don't compare right, them. Right. This one is this way. This one is that right, way. Right, I, and I right. do think it was different. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, they, they're very good at individualization versus one thing fits everyone. <laughs> right. Right, because one thing is we are not one size fits all as humans, right, for sure. Right, right, so true. Why did you study psychology with a concentration especially on crisis and trauma? Yeah, so I will be honest. The studying of psychology was always meant to be, but when it came time to figure out a concentration, I was originally going to do marriage and family because that mm-hmm. was where a part of my early work was. And then the more I kind of thought about it and really looked at the different options, there was something about crisis and trauma and me also wanting to expand how I see that show up in the lives of people. And Mm -hmm. I will never forget, I was in the middle of one of my final programs, um, a certification, and I was taking two classes. One was like disaster relief recovery, and the other one was like crisis intervention. And I literally said to myself, this was January 2020, when am Mm -hmm. I really going to use these two classes? Because what I plan on doing with crisis and trauma isn't necessarily on a community scale. Just kidding. Because two Mm -hmm. months later, we were in the middle of a pandemic. And everything I learned in those classes was something that I could immediately use So it just really kind of found me and helped build off of what I was already doing and opened my eyes to the fact that a lot of us are walking around with just 
even sometimes small traumas in our life that we mm-hmm. have worked through but don't always realize they still play a lot, a play a huge role on our personality, on our relationships, on how we want to be treated. So I've, I've loved it. That's very, very interesting. Two things that came to mind. Number one, I agree with you. Sometimes we go to traumas and don't even realize it is. So, you know, it's first, yes. I guess, recognizing that it is a trauma, no matter how small or big. I mean, you don't have to have a 5.0 hurricane. <laughs> that hits you. Right, right. Uh, you know, yeah. a hurricane is a hurricane, basically. And the other side of the equation is uh, the concentrations are really heavy, though. I mean, so as a student, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, let's go yeah. take a course in the, how to play golf, for example. <laughs> <laughs> let's get a yeah. quick A. <laughs> uh, versus yeah, like, they uh, are you know, heavy. <laughs> let's take this. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's heavy, but it is the single best concentration that I feel mm-hmm. like I have ever you know, focused in on and learned, and it's part of the undertone for expired mindsets, like having that knowledge. And like you said, like you really bring up such a good point. None of us grow up, maybe this generation does, of kids that are young now, but I don't remember hearing anything about a trauma when I was growing up. And then the more I learned about it, I was like, wait a minute, that's happened to me. Like the most simple definition of trauma is too much, too fast, too soon. So mm-hmm. even too much change that we weren't ready for can be overwhelming. Like a, a substitute for trauma is overwhelmed. Right. And just having that knowledge really helps me see things differently and helps me work with people and educate them on going, this is how this experience is still dealing with you. But was it heavy? Absolutely. So I have to also do a lot of things in self-care to make mm-hmm. sure that I kind of take that heavy and work through it so that it doesn't weigh me down. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because the definition of trauma, because it, perhaps it, when we were growing up, unless somebody jump off, you know, from the, uh, you know, from a box, just scare you, you know, like Dracula, ah, <laughs> oh, he's yes. traumatized, yeah. oh, she's traumatized. That's our perception mm-hmm. of trauma. And what you're saying is yes. that just being overwhelmed because of circumstances, because it makes you uh, sort of like you're having to run 30 miles an hour ahead of a car that's trying to run you down. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Uh, but we yes. look at it, you know, as uh, from an athletic ability, <laughs> we cannot run the car. But that's right. trauma. Very interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it's a different yeah. slant to it, but it's very interesting, though. Very, very interesting. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, how do you define mental health? You know, I love to think of the concept of mental Mm well-being and not because I don't love the term mental health, right? I'm a mental health therapist, but I think there's so much stigma around mental health and we don't always like acknowledging that we're not healthy, right? We we kind Mm -hmm. of deny, oh, my cholesterol's up, but I'm fine or no, I'm not sleeping well, but I'm healthy overall. So I really try to get people to think about it of mental well-being, and, and I keep it simple. I go, are you living well? Are you loving well? Are you playing well? Do you mm-hmm. have those aspects in your life where you have good, healthy connections, where you enjoy your life and have meaning and purpose in your life? And play well is one that a lot of people don't think about. Do you know how to stop working? Do you know right. how to not be constantly productive and allow yourself to have fun and be playful because that is also a big part of well-being and that gives people a different approach. Um, As Mm -hmm. a therapist and even as a speaker, I also talk about looking at every area of your life and how well and healthy you feel physically, financially, socially, emotionally, and spiritually. Those are all the components. Because if your finances are not good, you don't feel great mentally, emotionally, right? right? You're stressed out. And so it's it's helpful for us to see ourselves as a full system. Right. I'm glad you brought that up because in terms of mental, there's a, I'm not saying there's a difference, but it's an expansion of what the definition of mental health is. 
when mm-hmm. we talk about from the conventional standpoint of view, oh, uh, the guy's got one screw loose. You know, it's more yeah. of a healthy thing. You're missing one chromosome. I'm being facetious here, but that's it, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's got not all yeah. together there. You know, he's, he's off. He needs to be on this medication. He has to kind of keep him balanced. But mental health is more right. than that because it's the mental wellness. And, again, with that word yeah. trauma, we all go through that. We just don't realize that because if we have this norm and then for a moment in time that we are challenged in specific things mm-hmm. that what's supposed to be normal, uh, it is putting a little tax on our, say, normalcy of uh, mental thinking. Yeah, it does. And I feel like if we can expand the definition, then it mm-hmm. reduces the stigma or the shame because I agree with you. Most of us got our ideas about mm-hmm. mental health from stigma, like you said, somebody's screw is loose or they're really bad or something's not quite yeah. right. And yeah. then we separate that from, wait a minute, but I've actually been anxious for the last month, and that, that fits as well. So I think that mm-hmm. wellness key helps us be willing to come and go, yeah, you know, I had that experience in my last job, and it didn't end well, and now I'm noticing that I'm in this new job, and I'm not as open to getting to know people, and that's because my last job, I might have been bullied or didn't feel Mm -hmm. cared Mm -hmm. for, and we don't address it if we think it's not bad enough, you know, in order to to work through it. Right, right. So true. So when did you develop the concept of standards high, focus up, confidence on, (laughs) self-doubt (laughs) off? Yes. You know, That is something that I used to say to myself when I was a child. Mm -hmm. So my parents divorced when I was young, and this was during a season where divorce wasn't as common. So if you Mm -hmm. came Mm -hmm. from a divorced home, people automatically assumed, oh, things are not going to be good. You know, there was this term, you come from a dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. probably around third or fourth grade, you know, I would have conversations with my mom, just kind of sharing with her what it was like going to school with other families that may have all had their families intact and how that sometimes made people make assumptions or look at me a certain way. Mm-hmm. And around that same time, I really kind of came up with the philosophy of standards high, focus sharp, confidence on, self-doubt off. And what that meant for myself was the only standard that I was going to live up to was the one that I was setting for myself. And Mm -hmm. focusing sharp meant focusing on what I believe about myself, the kind of values that my mom is is pouring into me and being confident in myself And then the self-doubt off was the dynamic of going, if self-doubt is too large, we all have moments of self-doubt, but if I give it too much space, then I won't take risks. I won't try new things. And it just became a personal mantra that I started using throughout my life and built from there. Very interesting. I love it. I mean, when I read it, I thought it was very, very, very interesting. (laughs) What... (laughs) What were the essence that led to your authoring Inspired Mindset? Yeah, so I wrote Inspired Mindset during the pandemic, and mm-hmm. which sounds crazy, right? That's a really stressful time <laughs> as a therapist to choose to author a book. But here's what was happening. I was working with all sorts of individuals and organizations and companies I also had two kids in high school and college coming back and trying to filter through all of their experiences. But there was this one theme that seemed to be central in every conversation that I was having, and it was people couldn't do what they've always done to manage their distress. So Mm -hmm. when we could be busy, it was we stayed busy, we would – pour our time into something else and just avoid it because we were too busy to focus on it. Um, If there was somebody we didn't like, we just 
didn't have to be near them, but everything stood still and people were falling apart from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Um, I give this analogy in the book of like cracks at the foundation where people realize I thought I was over this situation, but now that I'm being forced to sit with myself, things that I thought didn't bother me are coming to the surface. So there, you know, our phone is ringing off of the hook with people wanting support. We have wait lists. And I was like, I need to do something. I want to create a resource that people can read, but that didn't feel like a textbook where they could walk through what they believed about themselves and their mindsets and really look at where are my thoughts right now and where are my thoughts holding me back? So kind of like expired food, I need to let those go and work my way towards something different. So I wanted people to have something that was tangible Mm -hmm. that they could revisit with different situations, but also, you know, you mentioned the storytelling part. I wanted it to feel engaging because otherwise I don't think people would want to read it. Some people would, you know, but I really wanted to also speak to people that, would never go to therapy or couldn't afford to go to therapy. Sure, sure. And then, of course, I mean, there are situations, circumstances in the storytelling process, you do pull out the, for lack of a better term, the the flow chart to show people step one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. But in essence, people want to hear a story because they can relate to the experience so to speak and wherever they are in their journey they can just simply plug in and say wow you know Mm -hmm. somebody did it so i'm sure i can too just need to kind of pull my bootstrap up and get going yep you are completely right that was my goal was to share Mm -hmm. a variety of stories so that everyone could read through and see some part of their own story like oh i could resonate with that part and Mm -hmm. you know I didn't start off expecting to share so much of my story, but (laughs) I felt like that was part of me going, I'm walking through this with you. I don't want you to feel like I'm asking you to do something that I haven't actually done myself. So let me share some parts of my own story and how I've used these principles. Now your turn. (laughs) That's kind of the thought. Right. Hey, Dr. Shreese. The other side of the coin is like you are releasing your stress on paper. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it was not only stressful, it was emotional because those Mm -hmm. are things that I don't think about often. Right, Um, right. My mother is also no longer alive. So in order for me to find out some of those details, I had to go back and ask my siblings. So that was an emotional aspect that I didn't really anticipate because not everybody, but many of us, if we have sure. a question, you know, depending upon the age of our parents, we can pick up the phone and go, hey, mom, you know, when I was younger, mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. So there were moments that I was like, whoo, this is a lot. But, but I'm a big proponent, and I feel like people will see that when they meet me in person of, I think we learn and we connect with each other through being honest about our story and where we've been mm-hmm. and I, I don't want us to be ashamed of it, but to even be able to see difficult moments in our lives can still be purpose. And there's mm-hmm. a way to share those with other people, kind of like you're saying, so that other people are encouraged. You know, I had a unique dynamic of parenting and losing a mother. So if somebody else that's a mom and is kind of raising a family and themselves without a mom, read my book, I wanted them to go, well, she survived, right? Like Mm -hmm. she got through it. Maybe I can too. Right, right. And that's interesting though, because to me that books are relevant for situations. And in this case, I believe your book is extremely relevant right now because uh, of two scenarios. Number one, people like storytelling rather than, uh, mm-hmm. you know, looking at uh, keynote presentation or a PowerPoint presentation from Microsoft mm-hmm. users. And so mm-hmm. that makes a big difference because people don't want to say, oh, yeah, I read this book and page 35, paragraph three, you should do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is something that they That's- can read and uh 
absorptive experiential experience. That would be the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was very important to me as well. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. everyone is not good at verbalizing, right? Mm -hmm. Like outwardly what they think and feel. So I wanted to have the mindfulness pieces in there because if you really go through and kind of insert yourself in the book, it might hit a few buttons, right? That you're like, Mm -hmm. whoa, I didn't think that that would be so activating. So I wanted to kind of help people go, if you felt overwhelmed by remembering something, then here's how you bring yourself down. And then for those who may prefer writing versus sharing verbally, then they could kind of go through those reflection questions. And, and, you know, relevance too, I wanted those questions to be open enough that you could go back to them and you could answer them again based on a new situation and just kind of revisit the principles as much as you need to. Right, right. So true. Why is mindfulness, you brought it up, so why is understanding mindfulness just the tip of the equation to living a focus-driven life? Yeah, so love mindfulness, and here's why it's crucial and still, in my clinical and personal opinion, doesn't get as much relevance as it should. A lot of the things that we believe are also in risk to what's happening in our body, meaning if I get anxious, I feel that, right? You, your heart's beating mm-hmm. faster. You might get warm and clammy, and then there's a thought that comes to your mind. Oh, this always happens to me. I'm going to say something stupid, and people aren't going to like who I am. So those two things are happening at the same time. When we can learn how to practice mindfulness, then we become aware of, okay, I'm aware of how my body responds when I'm around people that I don't know. So I can either practice bringing that part of my body kind of down or not responding from what's happening and knowing, yeah, I feel anxious, but once I start talking and getting to know people, it's, it's going to go away. And the other part of that is mindfulness encourages us to be aware without judgment. And we can mm-hmm. be aware of the things that we do that we wish we wouldn't, but we often beat ourselves up. You know, we often go, man, I wish I wasn't this way. I have to do better. We want to push ourselves. And that can be helpful But sometimes we need to also understand, well, I'm this way because when I was growing up, if I couldn't do something right the first time, my father yelled at me. So now as an adult, I put too much pressure on myself to know how to do things the first time. And mindfulness allows us to kind of connect those dots and go, I don't have to replicate that harshness. I can give myself room to know I'm learning. I'm not going to know how to do everything immediately. And mindfulness creates that compassion, that awareness, and that non-judgment. And then that gives us the courage to treat ourselves, you know, in a better way and, and reach more potential. Very interesting. Yeah, so true. That's, that's really amazing. What is expired mindset? So expired mindset is any belief or behavior that in one area of your life or one season of your life, it was useful to you, mm-hmm. but in this season of your life, it is no longer effective. I'll give you an example. Maybe someone learned in order to be safe growing up in their family, if there was conflict, being safe meant be quiet, go inside, shut down, don't say anything, and wait until the conflict passes. That was a survival skill. Mm -hmm. Well, fast forward, you are in a relationship, whether you're just dating or partners or married, that doesn't work so well, (laughs) you know, because there could just be a small conflict, but that same feeling comes in your body and you shut down, you internalize it. And then the other person is like, I know something is wrong. I can tell that something has changed. I can feel it between us, 
But then for you, it feels terrifying to communicate what you're experiencing because safety meant do not say anything, be quiet. That's the mindset. But now that you're in a relationship with a person who loves you and wants to understand you, that same mindset is going to frustrate that relationship and make it really hard for that person to know what you need unless you're willing to expire it and release it and then learn how to communicate and realize you're now with someone that you can talk to and let them know what you need and they're not going to harm you. Right, right. That's very interesting, though. You're right, because it's like uh, if you keep your mouth shut, everything is good. That That's a validation. What I'm doing is just fine. Yeah, yeah. But then other and people don't know what's going on, and then precisely. you're carrying all of that hurt. Like right, it's strictly it internal. Right, right. So true. Yeah. And that's the process of, you know, and I love it, like I said, because it's uh, – people are not realizing that we're carrying those things uh, with us through mm-hmm. our life. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. in all honesty, it's not necessarily it's all the way bad, but situations were dictated, but then you have to develop that concept of, you know, you know when to turn the light on, <laughs> when to turn the light yeah, off. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it's not always bad to right. decide, you know what, this really isn't worth the conversation because mm-hmm. I can move past this or it's not an earth shattering moment. But mm-hmm. if we decide to kind of go inside and work through something, the goal is for that to only be long enough for us to then communicate. Here's how I experienced what you said. And here's what I need going forward because a lot of us internalize that. And here's the, difficult part about the scenario I just gave. Well, Mm -hmm. if that's your pattern, then you also may view the person in your life in a way that doesn't fit who they are because you're kind of holding them to the standard of the person who hurt you. So you think they don't love me. They don't care about me. They don't want to hear what I have to say, but you actually don't know because you've never tried, but that's just what you're used to telling yourself. And it, it can be hard to realize. So there's right. balance, just like you said. Right. And interestingly enough, what you just brought up, this is where that equation shifted to whereby somewhere online, it is your fault. And yeah. like, what? Are you kidding me? I hadn't said anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind you of know. that we create or we allow, you yeah. know, dynamics yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And we do. We have to take ownership for, oh, Wow. I I play a role in that. And, you know, mm-hmm. I learned so much of that in yeah. the first, I'd say, seven years of marriage. I realized mm-hmm. how certain patterns that I just didn't develop because I mm-hmm. did not grow up with a father in the home was yeah. very different. And what worked, you know, being raised predominantly by my mom yeah. didn't all translate into marriage. So it's a lot of work, but it's, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. So the I presume that's the concept of releasing patterns tied to the idea of expired mindset because you realize it and then now it's that, well, it doesn't work anymore or it has since matured and situationally you should be stepping on the plate and say what you have to say, expressing it in a good way in terms of one uh, invoking, you know, feedback. Exactly, right. Expiring the mindset isn't just about, oh, I'm just going to say something different to myself because you become what you believe. So Mm -hmm. what you're saying to yourself is going to influence your patterns and your way of talking and how you manage things. So releasing a pattern means now that I realize why I speak to myself that way or why I believe that, the next step is, I have to learn how to move forward in a different way. So I have to unlearn that whole relationship between because I think this, then I act like this, and and that requires repetition and and practice. Mhm. Mhm. Interesting. Very very interesting. How can yeah. we improve our self awareness? 
So a big part of improving self-awareness is honesty, <laughs> which can be challenging. Um, yeah. And taking time to personally reflect on how am I moving through my day? You know, I have to tell ourselves, how am I moving through life? That's a lot, right? That can mm-hmm. mean a lot of things. But I'm a huge proponent of having mindful moments throughout your day So that could be at the end of the day, just taking a moment and going, if I look back through today, what went well, right? And Mm -hmm. what didn't go the way I anticipated? And not so much like this person did this to me, but in my own actions, where did I show up in a way that surprised myself? So that might look like I sit down at the end of the day. um, I'll I'll use myself. I'll go ahead and out myself since we're here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, last night, I'm sitting down at the end of the day looking at and thinking, okay, what went well today? You know, got through the things that I wanted to do, stayed relatively, you know, calm and balanced Mm -hmm. throughout them. And then I was like, where did I show up in a way that just seemed a little off? Well, by the time I got home, I was a little snippy, a little irritable, which isn't my normal temperament, right? And of course, my, mm-hmm. my sweet, loving husband was like, oh, you're in a, you're in a special place today, <laughs> um, which I appreciate. But yeah. I was able to really think through what, what was going on up until the moment I got home. And then this is mm-hmm. so sad and uncharacteristic, but true. I realized I had hardly eaten anything. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got home, I was so underfueled, blood sugar low, exhausted. If you've ever been hangry, when you're hangry, mm-hmm. you, you are pretty irritable. You know, that <laughs> was something that I realized. And, you know, in some ways it sounds small, but I don't know if you resonate with this. It's really easy, in my opinion, to get busy and go, mm-hmm. I haven't eaten enough. I actually need to slow down and make sure that I bring this with me or clear out time in my schedule because what I eat also is going to impact my mood. So that's mm-hmm. an example of going, okay, I am, I'm still working on my pattern of getting back into an eating groove. Not that I don't eat, but we've been home. So I didn't right. have to think about right. it. I could go right upstairs and grab what I need. I've now returned to being back in the office two days a week and I'm not yet back to, this is what you used to do. You right, need to make sure right. that you have these things with you. So it's just reestablishing it. But those things make a difference. Um, and, of course, you know, there was a happy ending. Nobody be worried. I did eat, right. treated my husband better afterwards. <laughs> but <laughs> reflection, right. noticing what we're doing and how we're showing up. And then that third step is, and now that I see how I'm showing up, what am I willing to do different? Where do Mm -hmm. I need to bring in support or a different routine? Because in order for me to have a different pattern, I have to change something. I have to do something different than what I've been doing. Right. That's true. Very, very true. That's a very interesting example. And then again, the flip side is what happened is that when we are around people that we see every day, right, Mm -hmm. uh, we get complacent. Yes. It's almost they're there, but they're not there kind of thing. Yeah. And so, but everywhere else, interestingly enough, and especially in today's context, I mean, when we're outside, we, uh, our senses are, okay, this person's on my left, that person's on my right, that person's doing this. Mm-hmm. But when we come home, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the interesting thing is that the person becomes like a piece of furniture. <laughs> No, you're my me so time. right. You, I will totally you know what I'm own that. It's my yes. me time. <laughs> I do. And, and it takes a lot of work, right, to mm-hmm. go, I need to walk through the door. Like, and have, Yeah. Well, I need to have as much, uh, enough fuel left in my tank right, right, that right. the person at home who is my loving piece of furniture, you know, mm-hmm. also gets the best of me because I I, I come, and you bring up, man, that's such a great point. You yeah. can get so comfortable with the people in your life, whether it's your children, your spouse, whoever, that you don't focus as much on 
are they getting to see the me right. that other people get to experience? Do I have anything left? That is a phenomenal point, and it's a lot of work. It really is. Right, right, right. So true. This is very interesting. How and why do we experience limiting beliefs and negative self-talk? Yeah, limiting beliefs and negative self-talk, 90% of the time, are a learned behavior. Hmm. So somewhere along the way, the people that surround us heavily influence our belief system. And the biggest core aspect of that is within your family of origin. So if we grew up in homes where we had a parent or a grandparent that experienced something very difficult or they are anxious, they have certain beliefs that are kind of rooted in their experience that become passed down. For example, if you are from a culture that has experienced a trauma as a culture, right, the Great Mm -hmm. Depression, any time of scarcity, even Jewish culture, for just using those as a few examples, Mm -hmm. there is this aspect of you that is going to feel like things are different for us. You always need to be aware. You can't trust anybody but your family because that was true at a certain part in your, you know, the history of your culture. Right. Right. Well, those messages get passed on, whether verbally or non-verbally, and that starts to shape what we believe is possible. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I have. I have come across mm-hmm. people that grew up in homes that made them believe that they could do anything, even things that, honestly, they weren't really great at doing. Right. But their belief was so high. And that helped them advance in ways that other people who have the potential but negative, have negative self-talk aren't able, you know, to, to really work through. i also say if you've had several setbacks, disappointments, or difficult experiences, that creates a limiting belief or negative self-talk because if you don't know how to work through those things in a healthy way, then you have that belief system around this always happens to me. Why try it works out for other people, but not for me if you're kind of in a silo, but they're learned behaviors. But here's the good news. We can unlearn them. It is not impossible. That's where we have to have that reflection and that daily awareness of what am I saying to myself and is it really keeping me from doing something that I want to do because maybe I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. But it's true, though. What is the best way to overcome that? Because I understand that sometimes we, it's been pl- because of situations that we encounter, right? So in our life and mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. time is okay, but then over a prolonged period of time, it is, I wouldn't say part of our DNA is not part of the DNA, but it's programmed into our yeah. mindset. So what's the best yeah. way to overcome that? Sure. So the best way to overcome it is to really take two or three of the situations that you feel like this keeps repeating itself, and it leads me to reinforce this belief. And then you want to look at each situation and kind of write a brief synopsis of each situation, and then below each one go, What's the same between these situations that keep repeating? What's different? Because what happens is we focus our attention on the similarities and then generalize. Mm -hmm. Oh, because these three people were not nice to me, everybody is going to be mean to me. But then we don't focus on, but what was different? Well, that person wasn't nice to me at first, but then we actually became friends later. Or this person wasn't nice, but they had just gone through the loss of a loved one, so their unkindness had nothing to do with me. If we can break those situations down and look for the differences, I call it widening the lens, then we can realize what happened in these three instances actually wasn't about me and people not wanting to treat me well, but it also had a lot to do with my expectations of people and being disappointed. You know, that's, that's one mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. 
Another mm-hmm. example would be going back to something you said earlier, we have to own our part. There are situations where we might feel like I keep running into bad relationships with business partners. And then we need to look at what characteristics am I choosing in a business partner? Am I focusing on one thing over and over so I keep attracting the same kind of people because that's what I'm looking for? So that's when we can do some of that deep work and go, I am approaching these situations, and if I keep choosing the same kind of people, I also have to take ownership of I'm not looking for things that really complement what I need. I'm getting caught up in something else and figuring out what that is. Right. And I coined it as in a dance of life, Uh, and this is interesting because a lot of time, uh, and I teach dancing, it's funny because when I tell women, because when you talk about dancing, right, technically speaking, oh, mm-hmm. the guy always lead, I just follow. And I mm-hmm. said, not necessarily. <laughs> the guy initiates mm-hmm. and you both dance. And then interestingly enough, in the concept, whoever, the true concept is whoever steps forward, lead. So there yeah. are patterns out there that the lady is stepping forward. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. In the dance, the lady then, stepping forward. Yep. Right. So, I mean, if the man stepped forward a foot and then you step eh, like three inches, <laughs> mm-hmm. the pattern yep. doesn't look like the way it's supposed to look like. And so you miss your chance. <laughs> you can't right. blame the guy, you know. I mean, uh, because somewhere along the line, do you want him to yank you forward another seven inches? No. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The other thing I'll say, too, is there are moments where we repeat the same situation because we Mm -hmm. have some need in our life that's not met. Right. Right. So because I'm starved to have a great dance partner who is willing to lead, I'll take any partner that is available, (laughs) even if they can't lead. Right. And then we keep stepping on each other's toes and it falls apart because I wasn't willing to wait to see, do they actually know what they're doing? Um, I just want somebody so bad. Right. <laughs> so I love that analogy. Um, and Rushy, I can't remember the name of the dance, but my husband and I did a dance class just for fun. And yeah. it was centered around learning how, you know, to trust each other mm-hmm. and do different right. things and the way that it worked. And it was such an experience with mm-hmm. learning about how we relate to other people and mm-hmm. how we kind of step up in symbolic ways. So, for those of you out there, if you've never taken a dance class, you need to listen to Johnny Tan. I'm not kidding. And take the dance class because you are going to learn so much about how do you do when you don't know how to do everything? Can you take instructions? Do you like right. to cut corners? Like so much, right? Right, right. It's not about just the dance pattern. It's about nonverbal communication, and it increases mm-hmm. your self-awareness. That's an interesting yep, part. it does. And, and so they changes the dynamics quite a bit. Well, uh, when does spirituality fit into the equation formula? Yeah. For those who aspire to spirituality, I believe there's a beautiful way that it fits into the equation. I think spirituality comes in when we talk about concepts such as grace, extending mm-hmm. grace to ourselves, extending grace to other people, compassion, um, knowing that having faith in our ability to change, even forgiveness, because a big part of learning how to release a pattern is I have to be able to forgive myself once I recognize the pattern, because sometimes we can see how we've been doing things and then we feel really awful and beat ourselves up. So forgiveness allows us to go, I did the best I could with the knowledge that I had at the time. And now that I have new information, I'm able to move forward. So I think wherever anybody ascribes most spirituality and tenets of different faiths um, and religions have morals and values that can be included because our goal is to ultimately feel like we love the person that we are Mm -hmm. and we feel like we have something that we can give to the world and that we don't have to be perfect. And I think that's another Mm -hmm. thing that, you know, even in my own spiritual life that I appreciate. I appreciate that part of my faith is every day 
I have a new opportunity to try again, and I don't have to bring yesterday into today, and I don't have to carry it into the future. I can just stay in this moment and do the very best that I can. So true, very true. Do you have specific studies of real-life examples illustrating personal successes from releasing expired mindsets? Oh, I do, I do, so many. I was just sitting with a client yesterday, and she is one of my clients who goes, if you want to share this story, you can share this story. She and I have been working together for about two and a half years, and the length of time that I work with people is different from everybody. But she came into the relation or our therapeutic relationship because she was dating someone and was contemplating marriage and terrified because she felt like, I've never seen a successful marriage. There are no good examples of marriage in my life. And even to the point that she had felt, I really like being by myself and alone, but that was more self-protective because in her mind, the belief was no one will ever be able to love me or people who love me don't stay. That was something that had been resonant in her life. Long story short, we have worked on helping her trace where these mindsets the root of them, um, how they show up, you know, what they look like in various relationships, how are they standing in the way of this relationship that you could potentially have. And although there's part of your brain that immediately is thinking about all of the things that go wrong, let's open and a little bit of space to think about, but what's possible, right? You don't have to go from a negative mindset all the way to positive. I want you to go from negative to what's possible, just to consider that something else is there. Um, Long story short, she and her husband just celebrated um, a year of marriage, and she is experiencing a love and a safety and a security that she never thought was possible and realizes, hey, I almost talked myself out of this because I didn't believe it was possible. And she has come up with other different mindsets that, She's noticed along the way, but I've taught her different skills and techniques and interventions to use to reflect on a daily basis and a few minutes a day that she incorporates, Mm -hmm. and then how to notice when something from her past, just a feeling comes back up and makes her want to back away. And I'll say Mm -hmm. the other thing that she really had to work a lot on was communication, because she had one of those mindsets around communication that was, I will figure this all out in my head but then I kind of expect the people around me to know what's bothering me instead of telling them. So she is in a completely different place, and we on a weekly basis will reflect on where are you experiencing things now that you weren't experiencing before because you have been more mindful, because you've unlearned some patterns, and because you've increased your communication. And it has been so beautiful and incredible to watch. Very, very interesting. That's really wonderful. I know you started yeah. writing this book, and of course, like I say, now it's published and so forth, during the pandemic. How do mm-hmm. you see the concept of expired mindset contributing to the wellness of our society in the coming years? Yeah, I am watching the concepts of expired mindset continue to grow. Where I'm really excited about watching it is a lot of the same principles in the book I am now translating into um, behavioral management and organizational management. So I'm Mm -hmm. taking it into nonprofits, universities, and different organizations and helping them work through the same dynamic of how if you don't work through things that have happened in your workplace or on your team, that mm-hmm. lingers and stays and creates patterns in your team that helps your team not function well. So mm-hmm. that's been a really great place to watch it translate. And I want to continue to see it expand and grow so that people really just get the message, we are never stuck. That's a message that I think society will always need and want to hear that regardless of our past, we are only limited if we don't move, if we don't put mm-hmm. the next foot, if we don't take the first right step, that's when we're limited. Um, so that's been amazing to translate. And then I've also added some pieces to help complement the 
materials there, a video course and an audio course, just for people that want to expand on the neuroscience element yeah. and the spiritual integration element and watching that flourish. Very interesting. That's very, very interesting. Is self-empowerment then become the it thing to expand our bubble of quiet confidence and potentiality? I do believe that empowering ourselves is beneficial, Mm -hmm. but there's something about it that I want to add. The hope is that we empower ourselves to empower others. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a matter of going, once I experience a level of self-empowerment that gives me some confidence, how can I share that with other people that might feel disempowered? So I think it's a recipe. I don't want anyone to ever feel like it's an it thing because we can be self-empowered <laughs> and then direct yeah. it in the wrong way. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, but I do think it helps our confidence for sure. Yeah. And I guess I'm presenting it from the standpoint of us first because once you get yourself together, yes. then you can uh, share that energy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Then you can take the lead. Now, that I completely agree. <laughs> right, right. We've got to start with ourselves. We've got to fill our cup first and then pour. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, that, in that context, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Where can someone go to buy your book, get more information about you and your services, and keep up with your latest happenings? Yeah. So, the book can be found on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Audible. So, I, I did an Audible version of the book in my voice. To keep up with me, first, good luck. I'm <laughs> I'm all over the place, but no. <laughs> My website is drsharice.com, and Sharice is spelled C-H-A-R-R-Y-S-E. And then I'm often on Instagram at dr.sharice, C-H-A-R-R-Y-S-E underscore J. Awesome. That's wonderful. What's next for you? So I am actually working on, which I I find very interesting, a second Mm -hmm. book that Mm -hmm. is talking about healing our relationship with food and (laughs) the other kind of side thing. You're like, woo, that's a loaded topic, but it it all goes into play. It does. Anxiety and, you know, mood creates appetite. Um, And then the other thing that I'm working on, I'm working with a group of individuals to focus on AI, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. and chat GPT and companionship and mental health. So really looking at how to safeguard ourselves from the counterfeit of mm-hmm. finding connection with non-human things. So that's all right. next. Very interesting. That's very, very interesting. As mm-hmm. we coming close to the end of the hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share mm-hmm. a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Sure. I would say the greatest recipe for living, I shouldn't say greatest, but but I will, is be yourself at all costs. Be yourself at all costs and really learn what that means to be you and find out your recipe, which means what's the difference between who you are because of what you've had to be and who you are because of who you want to be. Interesting. That's true. Very, very true. It's that coming back to the mindfulness of you, focusing mm-hmm. on you. Yes. Yes. Very true. Well, Dr. Cherise, thank you for the excellent recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next week, Wednesday morning, May 17th at 10 a.m. Central Time U.S. My guest will be Susan Miller. Susan is an internationally known astrologer, founder of Astrology Zone, the most visited astrology horoscope site globally, best-selling author, columnist, TV personality, and businesswoman. She is the go-to astrologer with detailed and highly accurate predictions. Susan and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and the year 2023 and beyond, a new 200-year cycle that will rapidly shift life as we know it. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Dr. Cherise, 
It has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a very blessed and delightful week. Yes, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I can't wait to listen next week. That sounds so interesting. <laughs> yeah, we're going to plot your Jupiter, Mars, and all that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, I'll be taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Yay. you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.